This is Joshua Bell with the Kilt and the Cloth. This was my sermon from March 20th, 2022. It's been a really rough couple of days, but I hope you enjoy the sermon. God bless. I know that I tell you at every funeral that I participate in or part- do in our celebration of life that there are no words that I can give to people to take away their grief or their pain. I believe if every fiber of my being that the scriptures are given to us to find peace and comfort. And it's in that re- regard that I read this passage from Luke chapter 13 verses 1 through 9. At that very time, there were some present who told him about the Galileans whose blood Pilate had mingled with their sacrifices. He asked them, do you think that because these Galileans suffered in this way, that they were, they were worse sinners than all other Galileans? No, I tell you, but unless you repent, you will all perish as they did. Or those 18 who were killed when the Tower of Siloam fell on them, do you think that they were worse offenders than all the others living in Jerusalem? No, I tell you, but unless you repent, you will all perish just as they did. Then he told this parable. A man had a fig tree planted in his vineyard, and he came looking for fruit on it and found none. So he said to the gardener, See here, for three years I have come looking for fruit on this fig tree, and still I have found none. Cut it down. Why should it be wasting the soil? He replied, Sir, let it alone for one more year until I dig around it and put manure, or really what it should say is rich earth on it. If it bears fruit next year, well and good. But if not, you can cut it down. May God bless the reading of God's Holy Scripture. Amen. For those of you that don't know, I pick out my sermons and my scriptures months in advance. Uh, The goal is for me to help Nancy and for Paula and for Shiloh and all of, all of the, the people that make our worship service possible, like Bobby and, and Madeline, all, all of these people that, that create this theme for us every Sunday, I try to do this in, like I said, months in advance to give them opportunities. I had no idea that the very first question that I wrote down in my connection section of my notes was, what was one of the worst tragedies in your community last year? that I was going to be preaching that this morning. It was a hard week. It's still going to be hard. The part that's fascinating to me is is that the way that I deal with stress and trauma is is I, I go, as I say, into robot mode, and I focus in on the things that I have control over and the things that I don't. Maybe too, as my kids and my wife say, to a robotic sense. I take the opportunity to study and become more academic in the midst of my pain. And I find that this lesson is unique to Luke. 
And it holds before us a context for repentance and a parable that highlights repentance, but also patience. An act, a lead into the parable is actually longer than the parable. These two current events seem to confirm conventional wisdom that when bad things happen to people, the people themselves must have been bad or else such things would not have occurred. And Jesus responds with words about the universal need for repentance. The barren fig tree parable raises awareness of the fruit of repentance that God requires of all and it's, you ready? Garbage. I think the Gospel of Luke writer here is taking a note from the book of Job. That he's throwing in this passage of scripture in such a way that says, in the midst of all of these things you must repent because you had to have done something wrong. And here's how I can make that statement. Again, academically, that's where my brain goes in the midst of trauma. Job, for example, just this last week, my daughter and I were having this completely weird conversation about her favorite books of the Bible. And she says, Job. And I went, are you, what? How can Job be your favorite Bible? It's awful. Her friends, his friends are awful. The text is strange. It doesn't make any sense. There's all these weird things. I remember very distinctly when I was in seminary, my Hebrew Bible prophet, uh, Hebrew Bible, uh, Hebrew Bible professor said to me this very same thing. She says, we all decided we were going to read Job in Hebrew. And she said, this is why this book is awful. His friends, well, who, if you have friends like that, who needs enemies? She said, and I'm, and I'm using my words. Lisa Davidson would never say this. But in my head, as she was talking, all I could see in the back of my mind is her wanting to slap each one of Job's friends and then thump them upside the head. This is not what you do in the midst of people's grief and pain. And she said something to me that has stuck with me, and it was so, such a weird passage to me in that moment. Because just a couple weeks ago, she lost her own mom, and I, I had no words to give her. But this is what she said. She says, you know what would have made a better friend in the book of Job? is as if they shut up and sat there with them in his pain. In the Hebrew world, when someone dies whether it's traumatic or whether it's just a, a happenstance, the whole world stops for just a moment and the, the synagogue and the people sit together in Shiva. They, they stop the clock. They cover all the mirrors with black cloth and the family sits there in silence while all of the other people are sitting here talking stories and about the person that has passed on. And while this family is sitting here in silence, everyone that's over here brings them food so they don't have to worry about anything. And the family is allowed to sit in silence and they choose when to speak, not the audience. 
in Job's world, a better friend would be someone that sat with them in their pain. So when Lisa's mom died, I, I didn't have words. All I could say was, I'm so sorry for your loss. And I will sit with you in your pain. I think the passage of scripture here that uses the fig tree is, the fig tree is always, most, well, I shouldn't say always, usually used to refer to Israel. And it's always barren. Because they just don't get it. They keep messing up. And Jesus didn't come in as Jesus the Conan the super Jew with a gigantic sword that he swipes away the Roman Empire. And in the midst of their pain, they are starving. Starving so much that the, the tree that they should be getting their life sustenance from is not producing fruit. Historically, when we talk about parables, we believe that those are actually Jesus' words. In the first century, the way that they talked about their faith was in the aspect of story. So in this passage, the parable, mind you, not the rest of it, the parable saying this is what you should be doing is saying to the people of Israel, you need to get your act together. But not to be like a friend of Job. It's so that we can find fruit. That we are nurtured from that rich earth that God has presented to us. The opening passage of this is in modern dress might be a local reporter survey in public opinion about a tragedy. For example, we have no historical reference whatsoever or information that these events ever took place. This massacre of the Galileans that Jesus is talking about or as these non-Jerusalemites came to offer their sacrifices in their temple. We do know there is a historical reference from Josephus that accounts for Pilate's troops once murdering a group of Samaritans climbing Mount Gerizim. But that's it. But the event, the massacre, is of human violence. And the other of this collapse of a tower is an awful accidental catastrophe. Jesus' inquirer probably wanted him to comment on the political significance or perhaps even the theological meaning of such injustice. I mean, let's face it, as Larry so beautifully, beautifully said in your opening prayer, when we find ourselves in the midst of catastrophe and grief, we automatically look to God and say, why me? One would expect that Jesus might have suggested the, reader, read, the reporter read the book of Job to gain theological insight, which is why I said it's garbage. At the very least, Jesus might have made a passing comment on the significance of the lives that were lost, offering some sort of eulogy, maybe. But he doesn't do that. Actually, unexpectedly, Jesus launches from these stories right into a theology of repentance. This idea of judgment that hangs over all of us and that death may come suddenly. Well, 
again. When we read it in the 21st century lens, we miss the first century lens. The people of Israel were starving both theologically, spiritually, and physically. It's as if Jesus is saying, be careful as to where you go get your fruit. You are the fig tree. You are what provides sustenance into this starving and painful world. Jesus' warning strikes us at our most vulnerable point, Try as we might, none of us can protect ourselves or those we love from every danger, disease, traffic accidents, crime, or random violence. But also, as Larry so beautifully put it, Jesus affirms in this passage of Scripture that these calamities are not God's doing. In this passage of Scripture... They should stand as graphic reminders that life is fragile. And that any one of us may stand before our Creator without a moment's notice. I think Jesus, the part that I don't think is garbage, I think Jesus is challenging them to not live for tomorrow, but to live for today. For today, the people are starving. For today, we find that sustenance and that fruit. And the most beautiful part about this passage of Scripture is, you're not alone. Imagine a world where everything you dealt with was by yourself. That goes against everything about Christianity. You are God's good fruit. God has produced fruit that will sustain life in each and every one of you. Yes, even any of you in the pews, all of you that are watching this online, all of you in some way provide fruit. Now, some of us are more sour than others. But you provide the sustenance needed that God has given to you. So with that being said, it's important to also recognize before we close that there's a danger that people have used this passage of Scripture before as associating someone's misfortune with sin. That's not what Jesus says here. Which is why I said originally what I said. Repent and all this stuff will be better. No, no, that's not what Jesus is replying here. You have to read the entire Gospel of Luke, not just take that one section. And the entire Gospel of Luke will tell you that once I profess Jesus is my Savior, my sins are forgiven. I don't have to restart every single day. I have to take the breath that I've been given and be good fruit to others. My neighbors, my enemies, 
those that have wronged us, those that have loved us, those that I don't even know. I have the opportunity, you have the opportunity to be God's good fruit. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.